This is AJ Bingham, CEO of The Bingham Group. I want to give a personal thank you to the Lowy Law Firm for their podcast sponsorship. The Lowy Law Firm is the premier personal injury law firm in Austin, having recovered tens of millions of dollars for their clients since 2005. Now on with the show. Welcome to the BG Podcast, conversations at the intersection of business, community, and public policy from the Austin metro and around Texas. Today's episode is brought to you by the Lowy Law Firm, delivering top-notch customer service in the Austin area. You can find this episode and prior recordings at www.binghamgp.com podcast and on iTunes and Google Play. Hello, this is AJ Bingham, CEO of Bingham Group. My guest today is Jerry Davis, the president and CEO of Goodwill Central Texas. Welcome to the show, Jerry. Hi, AJ. It's good to be here. I'm glad to have you on, and um, I've known you for, we were just talking about this, pretty much my whole time back in Austin as a professional. I think you're right. Um, And, you know, y'all get Goodwill, through Goodwill, I got my first real substantive board experience, and um, definitely have tried to be helpful to y'all along the way, and... uh, yeah, it's been it's been fun to know you professionally and in, in the community. Well, thanks. Well, you, you served on our board. If you remember, you were on our staffing group board uh, for three three year terms. Not and, aged out. I was, yeah, I, and I you didn't aged know out. I got the notice. Yeah, you, you, nine, you're nine so years. old. We got rid of you. Yeah, no, I think I was twenty seven, so it was a trip. Yeah, <laughs> and that was that was that, you know that was definitely a few through a few uh, job changes and everything else. So. Yeah. Well, well, you provide us with a lot of value. That's that's one of the largest staffing companies in Austin, if mm-hmm. you can believe that. Most people don't uh, know that Goodwill has a very large staffing firm. And I want to get into that. We're going to get into that um, in a few moments because I think I want I want definitely want to get a full view from you um, about all the different verticals or operations that Goodwill Texas has. But can we start with just your background and what brought you to Austin? I know. You're not a native Austinite, um, no, nope. but you've been here a number of years. And just what was your path? Because um, knowing your story, it was is not the traditional path to being a CEO. Um, yeah. But love to share that with the audience. Well, I started in uh, healthcare. I'm an occupational therapy therapist and uh, by training, and uh, worked my way up until I was a VP in a very small hospital. Um, and then, uh, as healthcare goes, uh, had a lot of leadership changes, and uh, I was looking for a next opportunity and saw this curious little ad back when you can find an ad for jobs in newspapers, and they were looking for somebody to do vocational rehabilitation uh, at Goodwill. And that was my first introduction to, uh, really, Goodwill's not just thrift stores. So vocational rehab was a uh, sister field to uh, medical rehab, which is what I was in. So that's kind of how I got there. I didn't know a whole lot about retail, and that seems to be one of the job requirements at Mm -hmm. Goodwill. And then what brought you to Austin? Oh, what brought me to Austin? Kind of Austin. what's your path towards Austin yeah. in the oh, summary. So that's a story. Um, I can tell you on my interview, Aaron Neville was sitting catty corner from me, and I, I remember thinking, I don't think I'm in Kansas anymore. Of course, I was from Ohio. but mm-hmm. um, Well, you know, if you've ever lived in Ohio like I did, I hit 40 and took a trip in February from Ohio down to Florida and called my wife back and said, you know, we should live someplace warm. <laughs> so <laughs> that was the depth of my thinking, AJ. I'm really sorry. I didn't come here for tech, or uh, I did come here for Goodwill, as it turns out. But um, the first day I moved here, uh, it was 106. Mm-hmm. So be careful what you wish for, my friend. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, we wanted to live in a different place. And Austin um, 
Austin it was a more inclusive town than the, the town that uh, I was raising my family in. That was a concern, but it's an exciting place, too. There's a lot to do here, and I saw that my family would have opportunities that they wouldn't in the small area I was living in. Mm. Did you come here for the CEO, President CEO I did, job? Okay. I did. Goodwills uh, have uh, territories, uh, regions, and I was in Sandusky, Ohio, which uh, is a wonderful little town, but I wanted to live in a bigger city. Mm -hmm. Um, So I um, found out that they had an opening, researched it, and and went for it. And uh, I also found when I moved here that Austin doesn't think it's a little city. It thinks it's a little town. So that took some getting used to, but um, it's a beautiful place to be. Mm -hmm. So you've grown... As as Austin's grown, this, this metro's grown, Goodwill's operations I know have grown. It has. Popula- yeah. Serving population. So we go back, I want to go into what all the various operations that Goodwill does. I think when people think of Goodwill, they may they definitely think of retail sure. operations and sure. maybe, depending on the circumstances, the job training aspect, the vocational mm-hmm. training aspect. But just can you detail the different segments and the diverse array of things that you do, the operations that you have going on in this building? So there's a, a lot to Goodwill. Most of us uh, out here, uh, we're known for our face, which is our stores. Um, and if you know much about Goodwill, then you make some assumption that we must be doing something good with the stuff that we get in donations. And uh, we take that, take the money and do something with it. It's got to be good, right? Because Goodwill is the name. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the stores do uh, provide us with revenue. On the, at the same time, those stores are, are uh, I guess you'd almost call them treatment centers themselves because we have uh, lots of employees, lots of clients from time to time that is uh, working in those same locations, getting the types of skills that they need to advance themselves, either with Goodwill or somewhere else. So it's a, it's a job training program at the same time that it's taking your donations and turning that into money. But um, we have 34 stores now. Uh, and they range from boutiques to big outlet stores. If you can imagine Goodwill having an outlet store, those are two of our biggest operations, believe it or not. Um, but we also have a staffing company, which I mentioned. Usually there's about 300 people at any time of the night or day working uh, for Goodwill uh, in a temporary staffing position. Most of them are working on state contracts, mm-hmm. although we have a lot in the private sector. We also do... And that's quick, too. The, sure. The, the staffing service part is interesting because I remember when I served on the board mm-hmm. that the transition... And the, the desire to diversify those accounts from the state contracts, and this That's being true. the capital of Texas, a lot of the state facilities, the big, you know, their headquarters are based here when you have those contracts. Um, but even as the city's grown, it's been interesting, interesting to me to see the development of this private sector business. Because mm-hmm. I think I was on it, I remember one of the meetings I was at, um, that initiative coming up, and you were visiting Charlotte's operation to see because yeah. it was almost flipped. Yeah. They had more private sector business than public business. That's true. You know, this being a capital city, um, we, we have lots of opportunity for state business, also federal business. There's a good number of federal um, agencies here as well. Uh, but you're right, diversification is important. So we, we think like a business, even though we're a nonprofit, and, and a good business is going to have at least some degree of diversification around a central theme. So um, we've done everything from uh, uh, doing driving for uh, CODA, not, not on the track itself, but getting people here and there. Um, we helped with uh, Austin when they decided to 
do back-end parking on uh, Congress, Congress, if you yeah. can remember that. Um, we've done all kinds of things like that. So, yes, we've diversified. Lots of businesses have hired us now. I'm, I'm thinking, you had a point about thinking, um, you know, bit, that this is a business. It's a nonprofit, but it's a business. Right. Just anecdotally, I think people... They don't perceive nonprofits as being businesses, right? No, I mean, no. They well, don't. Overall, I mean, you're good, in Good Wolves yeah. of Texas is one of the larger nonprofit. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, by just revenue that you and the, we are in the region. What I mean, I think we're that? I think we're sixth, but I could be wrong on that. What's that the net changes amount approximately? Well, we're uh, we're looking at about a hundred million dollar top line this year, mm-hmm. and we've got about sixteen hundred employees. So it's it's a pretty big operation. Yeah. Besides the 34 stores, when you start looking at all the places we are um, in this in this region, probably about another 40, and that ranges from a solitary case manager in one particular social service agency where we've partnered up to, to meet a need their clients have, to geez, a, a, a 20 or 30 or 100 person operation which we we serve in several different spots around town. So the the one thread, you know, if you had to pull one thing, what why are you in these places is that we're where we're needed. Um, we don't really believe that people should come to us, we should go to them. Mm-hmm. What is the overall uh, span of your of your regional Central Texas? I oh, mean, where, yeah. Or just, I mean, obviously Austin is sure. core, but where, how far does it reach outside in the well, you know, this uh, we're, we're in 15 counties in Central Texas, so from north to south, we are in Williamson uh, through Travis and down to Hayes. And then if you were to look at it and lay a banana over that shape, mm-hmm. we go way the heck out in Llano all the way down to Gonzales down in the uh, south uh, eastern part of our territory. So I, I, anybody that's from this area knows that most of the people are clustered around I-35, and that's where most of uh, our services are. But we're, we're also out in Fredericksburg and uh, Marble Falls, Bastrop. Uh, we're always looking to get further and further out because, you know, uh, one thing rural counties have in common, and this is where I was living before I moved here, is that there aren't a lot of services. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just in large part because there aren't a lot of people and there aren't the jobs and the transportation, but that doesn't mean that their needs are any less intense. Um, but we are doing our best uh, bit by bit to get farther and farther out while still taking care of Austin in this region, which is growing so fast. Mm-hmm. And on that too, the growth of this, growth of this region, particularly in I-35 going um, mm-hmm. south towards San Antonio, and you look at the pace of development from both oh, sides yeah. of our city, yeah. and their city and our city going um, kind of meeting towards, you know, like the New Braunfels and those areas. Yeah. Do you see at some point, I'm sure right now you might, you know you have a collaborative relationships with all the different mm-hmm. area goodwills in the state, um, but where, I mean, as that line between San Antonio and Austin metros starts to really merge, right, you know, because there's been talk yeah. of that in the past, like the, how DFW is, um, yeah. as the, the development goes there, and, you know, at some point, maybe knock on wood, if we get a high-speed rail, um, where is there, a, is there an absolute? I'm just, just more my personal curiosity. Absolute boundary. Where about where? Uh, where is it? What's Austin's territory? Some Texas territory. What's San Antonio's territory? On the on the corridor. So like is, it, is it like a demarc- uh, DMZ? Or, there uh, is. Models? We do have a DMZ. 
<laughs> and and uh, actually where Hayes County is and, and uh, you know, some of the other counties that touch up against the San Antonio Goodwill, yeah, we do we do have a line. It's a, the county lines. Mm-hmm. But uh, this is so funny you're asking me this because I was talking about this with someone yesterday. What, what I see for the future is that Goodwills will more and more start to merge, and, and that's already happened. Um, we have provided services in, in Waco, uh, that particular Goodwill, uh, San Antonio, Houston. Uh, we're starting to talk about Dallas, believe it or not, which is not contiguous. It's uh, pretty far away from Austin. But um, when I started with Goodwill 25 years ago, um, I was on a committee, and the committee determined that there were five Goodwills doing anything with one another. Now, keep in mind there are 162 Goodwills. And now we have so many different relationships with each other um, that uh, it's really hard to keep track of. So what's going to end up happening to uh, Goodwills is there will be more and more mergers, and there already have been some. Um, And it wouldn't surprise me at all to see Waco and and San Antonio and Austin come together at some time in the future. And this is for the the benefit, I mean, it can only be for the benefit of the communities you all serve and have those skills and talents come together. Well, you you brought something up a moment ago which is connected to this really uh, nicely, and that is that, uh, you know, there are a lot of nonprofits here doing a lot of things, and and we have a model that that people would identify as a, a social enterprise. So... We operate like a business so that we can provide charitable services um, and and we're sustainable. Uh, we think that nonprofits uh, owe it to their constituents to be there the next day, the next month, the next year. But the truth of the matter is, is that nonprofits do come and go. And some would say that it's a waste of money for every nonprofit in any town, and Austin we have plenty, uh, to have uh, their own CEO, their own CFO, their own HR department. And I mean, there's a lot of repetition and overhead is what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'll also talk out of the other side of my mouth and say Austin has just as many nonprofits as people want to pay for. And, yeah. you know, this is a big hearted town. Uh, I, I don't see us getting fewer. I see us getting more. Mm-hmm. But there is the, uh, the issue when you start to scale that... Uh, you need to get connected with people so that you can you can beat down some of your expenses and deliver more mission. And you do that by sharing services, and then the ultimate is to merge. Mm-hmm. Moving on to your leadership style, can you go into what your and this may may have has evolved, but what's your mandate and vision as Goodwill Central Texas CEO, President? Well, f- a few years ago, I had a uh, I was given a talk and about uh, ironically goodwill and finances and how we make money in order to provide mission and and when I was describing that we're trying to get people who are marginalized in our community uh, working again that we saw them as a great resource, uh, I had a man in the audience ask me, well, how much money would that take? And I thought for a moment, uh, when you're standing in front of a group of people, a few seconds can seem like an hour. And I think I told him uh, probably a lot. Because I had never conceived of the idea that that the people that we serve could ever be fully served. Um, This to me, uh, and this might sound like an exaggeration, I'm pretty sure that when uh, we were walking towards women voting in this country, that it, it probably seemed like it was never going to happen, but someday it would, and I started to look at it that way, mm-hmm. that if people started to see the folks we work with as a resource, 
um, we could get some alignment. So we started putting some, some uh, thought behind how many of these folks are there, uh, what do they really need, and we came to a few different conclusions. One is that um, the businesses have the jobs. And businesses exist in order to, to make money and grow and, you know, make products and so on. And we were kind of doing it backwards by thinking you should hire these folks because that's the right thing to do. They deserve a chance. Businesses uh, have a mandate to make money or they go out of, out of business. And um, why outside of, you know, some charity would you do that? I mean, uh, you need to prepare that person to be an asset, to be a value add to that business. So that's what's driven us lately. Um, lately meaning like the last seven or eight years. So our, our mandate is to get about 100,000 people working. And on top of that, uh, we want everybody to play. Um, somebody told me once mathematically that I'll be 87 when we get 100,000 people working. And I don't really want to be working uh, then, mm -hmm. so good luck to everyone that's still here. But the idea has always been that we want to infect uh, the community with this idea that, that uh, if we can get people aligned, uh, that the businesses have the jobs, these people are a resource, what do they need in order to be successful? we can make something happen. Mm -hmm. And one thing that's evolved, and I'm not taking credit for this by any means, but we do have a master plan for workforce development in this community that's supported by the county judge and the mayor and Workforce Solutions and ACC. So we all seem to be aligned and moving in the same direction right now. So it's very rewarding because a lot of things we've been saying, we hear a lot of people saying, uh, or maybe it's vice versa. We're all speaking the same language now. So it's a good time. Good, good. Can you go, we touched this a little before, but just detail some of the ways that Goodwill Central Texas is working in the community currently um, and future initiatives you all have planned to just impact the Austin community? Well, one thing that, that uh, happens in Austin, though, most people probably don't know this, is that there are lots and lots of people who were formerly incarcerated who moved to our community and moved to all communities because uh, currently uh, the prison system is uh, letting a lot of folks out, um, which is to say we used to lock a lot of folks up. And I'm not going to get into whether that was good, bad, or whatever, but we have a lot of people moving to our community that have a background, as they say. So one of the things that Goodwill is involved in is the... Um, uh, the reentry roundtable, and uh, uh, oh gosh, something on crime, good thinking on crime, or something like that. I'm sorry, I'm drawing a blank on the name of the committee, but um, the, these groups are interesting uh, uh, compositions of people who are conservative, who are liberal, who understand that these folks are here and that they're a resource, and we need to do something to get them working again, because. Uh, you know, there's this, this saying of, you know, once you've been convicted once, you're, 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 you're permanently convicted. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's not a, uh, I, I did something wrong, I did my time, and now I'm ready to start over. We, we tend to hold things like that over people's heads. And, and worse yet, we don't prepare them for that time when they get out so that they do well. And doing well usually means having a place to live and having a job. So we've been working with some of these uh, groups to get legislation passed, to uh, make reentry a, a, a positive and a successful experience because these are folks who are going to be 
around and living with, and uh, they are our neighbors, and we'd like them to have the same opportunities we have. So there's a lot of legislation that we've worked on. We expect to see more happen uh, in this coming session, and that's just one group. Yeah, and people, I I know you have from other operations too, but people don't, um, it's always interesting to me how few folks realize when I talk about lobbying, that it's not just companies and the private sector that have lobbyists if any interest yeah under the sun every interest in the sun as someone yeah um one person or you know if you're like if you're a bigger company as many people as you want 100 people right. down there for your interest but every, any group i mean every group has some interest in what goes on because government affects everything so every group you know especially the, the bigger nonprofits. Um, have representation at the capital and we do yeah and, but it's always a surprise yeah. like every, you know this you know, for our industry, it's uh, I guess it's just this funny disconnect. Of people like, oh, you're. They don't think as nonprofits as businesses and have right. an interest that how yeah, what goes on in the state affects them. Um, it's always interesting to me the disconnect there. About yeah, the nonprofits uh, owe it to themselves and they owe it to their communities to go to the legislature and say, this is how you can help. Mm-hmm. This is how you can make this a better society. In cities and, and counties. And cities and counties. Yeah, we are we are at all of those tables and. Uh, you know, the, the best thing we do is that we bring along the people who have succeeded despite some of the barriers they've had uh, to, to give them a, a face-first view of this is a human being here. This is what uh, the law is changing caused. This is what the law is not changing have caused uh, and the difficulties they've had. But um, we're in a lot of different settings, mm-hmm. educating people on what we wish they would do differently. And you know what? Most of the time we've been successful. Mm-hmm. Because uh, we're not political, the solutions are usually pretty commonsensical, but they're not common sense until you bring it up. Right? You know, we're educators, good educators. Right, once, we're once educators. Well put. Can you touch on some of the misconceptions um, folks have about Goodwill's operations, and you know a lot of this too? Because yeah, again, is the disconnect with nonprofits, yeah, and especially you know large nonprofits. They think of. Um, they people see that you you know as a nonprofit or as an organization your enterprise makes sure. is generates a hundred million or hundred hundred million hundred million yeah. revenue that's top line and they it's not yeah and they, they see yeah. they see you know they also make good headlines sure. for better or worse and they see that number and they want to translate that purely into to services mm-hmm. and not the operations that go into in the, getting the people and the staff you need to fulfill those operations. Right, and I say this, you know, just a disclosure. I don't have any current interest with Goodwill. No, um, I understand. So, yeah, just to the audience at all. Um, but as a just as a, as an observation outside in, um, you see a lot just during the holidays or where there's a big right. crisis right. or something like that. That the nonprofits or other unnamed nonprofits may be involved. Sure. And just touch on that. But I think there is that. There people see the top line number, and for a reason, don't feel that. Even as a CEO, so you're a CEO, and the things you that I personally have known you, in this role and the way you've evolved the organization, on the private sector, whatever your salary is, and it's in the markets for nonprofits, it's high relative, but in the private sector, for the same kind of sort of things you're doing right. here, it's yeah. not so high. It's probably no. well below market, <laughs> right? And so it's That's relative. But again, yeah. these things aren't things that make headlines. But he's talk about this, the misconceptions people have, and th- I know things you you share with the board in terms yeah. of you know, that come out in articles. Well, I, uh, thanks for teeing that up. I, I wasn't expecting that, but I appreciate it because uh, this is an issue for us pretty often. There's a there's a, 
gift that keeps on giving that I, I refer to that happens every Christmas time. And, and uh, there's a, an imaginary fellow who supposedly makes two and a half million dollars and has his own jet, and he's a CEO, and he uh, he runs a goodwill. And, and this, this guy doesn't exist. Story's made up. Uh, it's been debunked a million times, but it keeps coming back, you know. And uh, people just don't look at Snopes.com often enough, if you ask me. And we love conspiracy in this, in this country. It's just so attractive for us to just believe things like this. And it's just not true. Mm-hmm. Um, anybody who wants to look up my salary, it's, it's published every year. It's there. Same with the top executives. And yes, your assumption's right. If we were in a comparable job in a, a for-profit company, the salary would probably be a lot higher. But since we're one of the larger nonprofits among nonprofits, our salaries are higher. If we were one of the smaller ones, they would be lower. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of the way it works. And when you look at a $100 million top line, um, our company is like uh, most uh, companies, and, and that is uh, that mostly goes to the salaries of the people that work here, 1,600 people. Mm-hmm. So that's a lot of salary. Uh, the other thing goes for uh, there's a lot of rent involved and utilities, and, and by the time we get done paying for all of that, um, we, we actually have uh, a mission that is the whole reason for this organization existing. Uh, and that's how we pay for it, by mm. raising money. Most nonprofits would like the problem of having a way to make money uh, in order to sustain themselves. And uh, Goodwill's been here in this community 60 years. It's our 60th anniversary this year. Um, it's been in the, in the country, in the United States, since 1902. So what's that, 100 and... Uh, 108 years, 118 years, something like that. We've been around a long time, and and a lot of that has to do with the model that we has we have that allows us to continue. Mm-hmm. Well, good. Um, touching on Austin's, you know, the, there's a constant it's been over the last few years. The Austin's affordability issues and the income gaps that we're seeing. What are areas that you're what areas that you see Goodwill being able to impact that or affect that? And it goes beyond just Goodwill, but just in working with other groups, you know, the Austin Chamber of the City and the County. And I know you yeah. talked on, you touched on the, the workforce development issue, or I'm sorry, workforce development uh, initiatives already. But are there things that you see, that you see in your experience around the country and then internationally with what's working with Goodwill, um, that Austin could be doing, that Austin could be doing? So. Um I get to travel uh, a good amount because Goodwills all talk with each other and we get together at different places around the country. We we move our meetings around is what I'm trying to say. So I get a lot of different perspectives and, and I'll, I've, I've come to a few conclusions. First, um, gosh, I, I think everybody loves to complain about the situation they're in. It doesn't matter where you're at. Um, we like to think we have the worst transportation, we have the worst transportation system, we have the worst of everything, and that's just not true. There, there is actually a lot of affordable housing in Austin when you look at some of the organizations out there providing it, like HACA, uh, like Foundation Communities. There, there is stuff being done. Now, is enough being done? Well, no. Um, is our transportation system perfect? No, but we have one, uh, and we can only get better. So as far as affordable housing goes, I think one of the first things people just don't understand is that it's tough to make a buck on that. Mm -hmm. It just is. 
When I first moved here 20 years ago, I remember standing on 6th Street and I-35 and looking to the east and thinking, why in the heck are people not building skyscrapers over there? I just didn't get it. Um, well, now 20 years later, I don't know that we have skyscrapers yet, but we certainly have started building on the east side because it was close to the area where the skyscrapers began on the west side. Um, uh, and people get pushed out of homes that they've had for generations, and that, that is just not right. But it is, it is tough to get a business person to understand that they should make less money and build affordable housing. So the conclusion that I've come to is that this is more of a role for government. Mm. And I know that people don't want to hear that. I know that there are ideas out there where the private sector uh, is looking at affordable housing and there are some schemes that are being developed that could work out. But mostly I think this is a place where government is is needed. Mm -hmm. Government is needed in some areas to lift all boats and I think housing is one of those areas. Yeah. So Jerry, I also want to talk, just touch on, um, in your experience as CEO, I want to get just three pieces of advice that you've learned or tips <laughs> on leadership um, yeah. as a CEO that you would uh, just share with like just leaders in the community or for people who are coming up in organizations um, and may one day be CEOs that just three, yeah, three, three uh I'll give you tips. three tips, and, and since you warned me about this question, I'm going to give you a bonus. Thank you. All right, so the, the first thing um, is if you're going to be a CEO, um, you better have something that you're passionate about because you answer the phone morning, noon, and night, weekends, holidays, and, and you've got to be excited about your work in order to do that, in order that to not wreck your life. Now, having said that, I'll also tell you that your first job really needs to be to take care of yourself. Most of us uh, think we can go forever, we run ourselves into the ground, but I gotta tell you, as soon as you're out of here, I'm gonna go exercise, so you're the only thing that's standing in my way. Um, if you can take care of your physical body, most of the rest of it's gonna follow, but you gotta pay attention to that too. The third thing I'll give you is that you need to have a couple kinds of networks. I, I don't think you can ever have too many friends or acquaintances. Uh, and it is just amazing to me how somebody that I met 15 years ago comes into my life today again, or I reach out to them today and they're they helpful. Or they contact me and I'm helpful to them. But you also need a group of people that will call you on your stuff, shall we say. And, and give you honest feedback on what you're thinking about. Those are a different kind of person. And here's the fourth thing, here's your bonus thing. Know what your cash position is. It doesn't matter if you're a nonprofit or a for-profit. Know where your cash is. So that's what I have for you. Great. Well, Jerry, um, any parting words on just being involved with Goodwill or whatever you want to talk about as a, part, as a parting word? Um, we definitely thank you for your time. Well, um, I, I, first of all, uh, I don't make $2.3 million and I don't have a jet. Um, so that's one thing I wish people would understand. <laughs> Anybody that knows me knows that can't possibly be true. Um, and we appreciate the donations you give us, the stuff you give us, because we are able to take that and monetize it and make uh, everyone in this community that we touch uh, better off, that they, they get the same opportunities that most of the rest of us take for granted of having an education, having not just a job but a career. And um, I think we're able to lift all boats, and I like that a lot. Great. Jerry, thank you for your time. I know You're it's welcome. very valuable. Appreciate it. Love that back in the show at some point. All right. 
Thank you for listening to today's BG podcast. You can find this episode and prior recordings at www.binghamgp.com podcast and iTunes and Google Play. Subscribe to stay current on future posts. Thank you to our sponsor, the Lowy Law Firm. You can find more information about them in the show notes.